Welcome to Illumination by Modern Campus. Through this series, we'll be speaking to college and university leaders about the trends, ideas, and opportunities that are shaping the future of higher education and picking their brains for best practices and advice that leaders can apply to their own institutions. On today's episode, the Evolution's Editor-in-Chief, Ahmed Alawalia, speaks with Jessica Moran, who is the Dean of Instruction, Los Banos Campus, and Off-Campus Centers at Merced College. We'll talk to Jessica about getting learners back into the workforce and the critical role continuing education plays in executing on this mission. Let's get into it. Thank you so much, Jessica, for joining us for today's episode of Illumination. We really do appreciate your time. Starting off, I'd love to get your sense of some of the reasons behind the evolving importance of adult and non-credit education in California. Yeah, no, thank you for having me uh, this morning. It's definitely a pleasure and uh, good morning from California whenever folks are watching this, I'm sure it'll be morning, afternoon, or evening, but definitely um, thank you for for the invitation. Um, Definitely. I think during these months of of COVID and going through a different sort of uh, recession, right? So some of us have already kind of seen some of of those effects in terms of it being a different sort of recession, especially how it hits our students. One of the biggest push that we're going to be needing to do as any institution that does education is how are we gonna get folks back into the workforce and uh, get them into some sort of a living wage. And that is really at the core of what adult education, uh, non-credit, anything that's not for credit really does and meet the needs of of those non-traditional students. So how I usually call those is our non-traditional students. Uh, We operate on a community college model. And so, you know, usually the conception is that the students that we primarily serve, and and we do serve, the the large majority, are those transferring to a four-year institution. And really, we forget that there's so many trades that we also offer in community colleges, both on the credit and non-credit side of the house. And so, in terms of your credit offering, you could think of those, your welding classes, I should make the disclaimer that I am from uh, Merced College, which is a rural college in the Central Valley of California. So usually when we mention that our community colleges in California, the question is, oh, is that San Francisco or or Los Angeles? And the answer is, well, not quite. And so the answer is that we're we're in the Central Valley. And so it's a very rural agricultural uh, community. And so hence, I mentioned the welding And there is a misconception that sometimes you can't make a livable wage. There is definitely a large room for for making a living wage good into the six figures in that sort of a a trade. And so definitely we we do more than just a transfer. Uh, And that is what adult education, non-credit, not-for-credit that we offer through community education or contract education type programs uh, does for our community. It's basically being able to look at what the data is telling us is the projected needs. So what are the needs in our local community and how can we then cater uh, to develop those programs for the students? And so that's going to be the biggest push and the one that's going to bring us most value coming into a post-recession and and how that's going to look for us. Absolutely. And I mean, it's fascinating to think about how the the expectations on community colleges is evolving, especially when it comes to more rural communities where maybe there's less selection when it comes to the number of institutions that serve those communities and and the core mission of any community college was just to make sure that the college itself is able to respond to the need for ongoing learning within any given community. Now, to that end, 
when you look at the role of continuing education and workforce development broadly, you know, to your point, it's, it's to allow colleges to sort of deliver on that other part of their mission that isn't necessarily academic transfer, but more pathways to careers. How can C divisions of community colleges help their institutions start to stand out to wider populations of prospective students? Yeah, and you mentioned something key that I kind of want to circle back real quick is that, you know, community colleges, it's at our core. And it, that couldn't have been such a powerful statement because the fact that we, we have the word community in our name, Merced Community College District, we're really putting community back into education. And as we all know, we live in a very diverse community. So even though, yes, primarily it's very agricultural based and then there's those main labor market sectors, what I mean by a diverse population is that we really need to meet folks in different levels of preparation. So some that really are lacking those basic skills all the way to someone that really has never seen themselves college bound and they really just want to focus on those trades and that's okay. Um, I was on a webinar, uh, I believe last week about apprenticeship programs and how that, you know, that is something that comes out of uh, contract education or a community education type program and how the value of an apprenticeship can really do for your students. So you are having folks come out of high school, join an apprenticeship program. You know, we on the community college can also enhance those skills with providing customer service, soft skills uh, is what some folks call it. We like to call it essential skills. So one of the things we developed in non-credit is an essential skills program. So for those entering the trades or really anyone, you know, entering the workforce, what is it gonna take for you to pass the 90 days on the job? Usually there's a, a probation period for our students entering the workforce. So not only are they getting the technical training in their program, whether that's say they're going through our medical assisting program or any of those programs, but if you tie that to our essential skills program to really teach them those soft skills, um, something as simple as showing up on time for work, you know, some of those things that we heard from employers is, is really, lacking in terms of, you know, new generations of, of workforce, then that just puts them in a more competitive edge. And uh, they're able to do a lot more with those years post high school. You know, how many times do we hear the stories of, you know, some graduating seniors in high school that still don't have quite a plan? And that's because they may have just catered to a four-year institution or, you know, something that's going to get them a bachelor's degree. And they really felt defeated that, you know, that that wasn't something of interest for them. And so we really are able to do those uh, caterings and, and that's gonna be really important, especially as an administrator. I don't think I actually mentioned what my role at the community college, but I am a Dean of Instruction. So as a Dean of Instruction overseeing the programs, I definitely have to have a wide view lens in terms of what fits with our strategic implementation plan as a district. So what are our goals as an institution? And how do our students, you know, our non-traditional students fit into this strategic implementation plan and be an advocate for these different programs? I love the approach. I mean, when it comes to responding to the diversity of the community, creating opportunities for, for really broad access pathways so that the college is able to you know, respond to these distinct needs of different folks at different life stages who might be looking for very unique things in terms of their own pathway forward. And to your point, I mean, 
it's so interesting when you think about, you know, the, the essential skills, the durable skills, the soft skills, when it comes to anyone's capability to progress along their sort of learner to earner journey. You know, it's not just relevant in continuing ed. This is stuff that's important for folks who are doing their associates in English. It's still skill sets that they're going to need. And the way I think about continuing ed, and, and I think this kind of dovetails a little bit off what you're saying, is that these are the divisions that support maybe the work readiness of, of every student. They ensure that any learner that, that's within their service responsibility is able to find these clear pathways to their next step, is able to deliver on that expectation. No, absolutely. And one of the things that I, I did want to expand is that, you know, going back to, you know, as administrator and how does that fit into the overall picture, then having that, you know, larger view, how do you run programs? How do you offer programs? Is that in serving on non-traditional students, and this is often something that is eye-opening for folks, but in California specifically, we have adult education and non-credit. Those are programs that are run through our normal curricular process. It's curriculum that gets approved through that process. And ultimately those classes are free to the community. So we are talking about uh, short-term CT programs that are absolutely tuition-free for the community. And so that is often confused with our not-for-credit side of the house because the not-for-credit side of the house is what we're used to calling for community education, contract education type courses, which are basically you're building your skills, but the difference between the non-credit and the not-for-credit is that neither of them give you unit values. So there's no unit values assigned towards the completion. It's based on competencies that you're meeting to to get that certification. But the difference is really that you have your non-credit, which is absolutely free. You're not-for-credit. There is a fee associated to, to those types of trainings. And they're the big reason and usually one of the biggest questions that I get is how do you determine that? How do you determine whether, you know, it's going to be a program that can be self-sustained through a non-credit program? And it really comes down to what is the cost ultimately to run such a program? And so, you know, and even those fees are are kept at a very small minimum on the not-for-credit side. And with that, you also have the ability to partner, for example, with your local WorkNet boards, Sometimes they call them investment boards. So just whatever your regional um, job placement sort of agency is, um, you can partner with them. You can partner with private uh, employers that will sponsor. So a lot of the times, you know, you have a community that's hungry, uh, an employer community that's hungry for skilled workers. And so they'll be willing to put in, you know, almost see it as a foundation account for them to be sponsoring students to go through those not-for-credit classes. And again, the beauty is that you can combine different sorts of offerings. You can combine a student taking a not-for-credit, say they're taking a class in how to become a bookkeeper, and that's, say, $1,000, but then they also need those essential skills on the non-credit side, which is an absolutely free program. So you can combine and really be able to cater to that individual's needs. I wanted to make sure I put that out there. Well, I appreciate it. And I think, you know, for folks who are, you know, listening to this podcast who might not be deeply familiar with continuing education, I'm sure that sounded like an unbelievably complex job. (laughs) Um, You know, it's, and, and to be clear, continuing education 
has deep complexity. It's, it's a very agile space. It moves very quickly. There's a wide range of learners who are looking for a wide range of programs organized across a wide range of, of scheduling uh, flexibilities across a wide range of modalities for a range of outcomes, whether that's you know credit that can either be stacked or prior learning into a degree program, whether that's a certificate that applies to the labor market, whether it's a certification that's accredited by a third party body, and potentially at the end of all of it, maybe it's just a class to support the community when it comes to something like public health. So, you know, what does it take for CE divisions to actually execute on this role? What do you guys need to do that work? Yeah, no, absolutely. It's definitely hard work, but it's hard good work is yeah. how I would put it. Um, you definitely wear multiple hats. One of the other items that, you know, and we can go this could probably become a full hour and more. We will still run out of time podcasts in terms of all the different agencies we partner with. So we also are in a region where there's local state prisons and you know local prisons that also seek our educational for some of those that are about to, to be released and how do we educate that you know new to, to enter the workforce. And so you can then imagine how that dynamic changes a little bit and how what is it that we're going to provide these potential students so that they can get employment post their, their situation? And so what you have to have in terms of community education, your non-traditional sort of programs, is you really have to have a strong support system in terms of uh, a good, adequate staffing that's going to be able to push those contracts. The way we, we do run things at Marsed College is I'm that initial spokesperson with the various partners that either reach out to us we're very grateful that because we are the only community college within our district. So uh, if you're familiar with district boundaries and, and whatnot, we really don't have any other community college in, in our area. The nearest one is about 50 miles out from us, and that belongs to a different school district. So, you know, it makes things a little easier in terms of they know who to reach out to if they want some sort of technical training. And so we do have that ability that we have them reaching out to us. But then after that, and after the initial assessment, so there's something on the California uh, Chancellor's Office related to contract education, there's a handbook. And so the handbook is about how do you do a needs assessment? So when you make those calls or when you have those meetings with a potential partner, you're really asking key questions. You know, what is the need? What are you looking towards doing? Are we going to you or are you coming to us? Do you have a budget? I mean, the, the list is endless. It's quite a robust handbook, but that's really helpful because at this level, you really need to be able to see, is this something that we can take on? And then after that, to have a staff to be able to push those contracts, follow up, and then ultimately to have a successful contract and a contract where your partner is going to be really content with the work and output that you put. And of course, there has to be administration buy-in. So not only from my end, but you have to have that administration buy-in that this is something that is needed in your, your local area. And so I'm proud to say that part of our mission statement is that we do focus on career technical education. So if you were to look at Merced College's mission statement, it clearly says that that is something that we focus on. Strategic implementation plan as well. We do focus on providing access to students. What better way to provide access to students than to be able to live it through your mission statement. So if I had to say in terms of what has made us be able to do this is first your administrative buy-in, 
And that in essence uh, leads to you having that support. So not only can you go out there and sell your product or, or seek that support, but then be able to turn around and execute something. We've received comments down the lines of, wow, you were really fast to turn around that information. I think you were a little too fast for us. We're not prepared yet. So it, those are the comments that we love to hear to know that we have been able to respond to their needs quickly. And now we're just waiting on them to, to let us know what it is that they, they're needing of us. It's a rewarding position, especially some of the, the programs that we do when we do cohort-based enrollment. So say we have a company that's sponsoring a, a group of, say, 15 uh, students to go through an apprenticeship program in construction. For the most part, we inc- uh, include a, a mini graduation. You know, then this is pre-COVID, you know, when, when we were able to have uh, gatherings and, and there is no social distance and we look forward to that day. But, you know, that, w- that was one of the things that would be included in that contract to be able to have a graduation date, because again, ceremony, I should say, that is very rewarding for our students that are going through something. They want to see the light at the end of the tunnel in a very short period of time. For that particular program, we're talking about 240 hours of training. So you could see how fast paced it is and, and can easily be completed in less than a semester. Absolutely. I mean, to your point, right, having a, a program ready to go before the corporate client is ready for it is it's one of those good problems. Um, <laughs> so, you know, when you think about this, and, and again, we're talking a lot about responding to community demands, not just from learners themselves, but from from local industry, from local employers. I mean, why is it so important for continuing ed leaders today to have influence on the broader institutional strategy for their college? It's absolutely necessary. Um, I think it kind of ties us back in a full circle with how we started the conversation, really. And uh, knowing that in the community college setting, we do cater to different needs. And part of that is our non-traditional students. And the only way that you're going to be relevant and stay on the radar is to be able to be part of those meetings. So I always say that I, I can't complain if I was left out, if I didn't make the initiative to be part of those meetings. So you know, and then there's also statewide funding that is often afforded to some other programs, or sometimes you can uh, do braiding of funding to help you support some of those programs. So to be able, for example, in adult education, to sit on, you know, the adult education board, to be able to strategize with your other fellow colleagues to how are we going to make this work as a group, as a consortium, to be able to sit on your workforce investment board And this is larger than just the college. This is now going outside of your college and going into your community. What is the benefit of sitting on on that board? And the really benefit is that they're the ones sharing the the labor market information. They're the ones telling you and uh, showcasing with data where that projected need is. And that could often be also tied to dollars. And so it's really important for an administrator to be able to not only focus internally, you know, some of the statewide funding that comes our way to community college and how some of that funding can be used to support various uh, programs, but definitely outside the community college as well in terms of your external partners. So if I can summarize it, I I think I did a presentation last week for our non-credit community. And the big focus on that presentation was the value of partnerships. Partnerships will get you so much more. And, uh, you know, maybe you have, uh, you know, small pockets, especially, you know, being state funded. But once you reach out to, you know, your network, you'll be surprised. Maybe somebody has already done something that you've been wanting to implement and you just kind of take it to that next level. 
So that happened with our essential skills. We presented our essential skills program. And it turns out that a different college is doing something similar. And now they're partnering with a company. And so to offer internships for, for students. So that is kind of that vision that we have for a program. They're a step ahead of us in that arena, but it's something that we're now going to go off of, you know, those things that didn't work so well, we'll make sure not to do those things and then implement what worked well with them. So again, partnerships and, and the value of that is super important. Well, it's interesting, right? Because this kind of brings us into the close of our interview. And, and you know, we're recording in, in the beginning of June. You know, we've had the governor of California release a, a prospective budget that includes $49 billion for workforce training. We're in an environment where, you know, folks are looking increasingly at alternative credentials and non-degree credentials as a pathway to the labor market. And we're looking at, at a higher education space where regardless of folks you know, even folks who are enrolling in degree programs, 58% of, of first-time uh, degree program enrollees are looking for career outcomes. So if you think about your own role and, and you know, the, the position within the College of, of Continuing Ed broadly, what does the future look like for continuing education in California? Yeah, if we're smart and we put those dollars to, to good use, it would definitely be to, to bring on board new contracts a lot of the things that we haven't been able to do also because we haven't been able to operate face-to-face. So a lot of these um, trade sort of, of programs are, you know, have not been able to be offered. We have been running, for example, our welding program online for the lecture component. And the only thing that we've been able to run face-to-face would be our labs. So that has been a major, major hindrance to us being able to offer, for example, those construction boot camps. How are we going to be showing somebody to pour concrete and do a concrete project, you know, online, those nuances that you can do a lot online. And, you know, you and I have been able to connect via the virtual world, but then again, there's other skills that need to be done that unfortunately we haven't gotten there in technology. So really to be able to bring those programs back in, we partner with a trades. And so it's a trades union that, you know, sometimes we receive money from local entities. And so we do have that partnership since they're, they're the experts. And then we offer those construction boot camps. And in conversations with them, they are getting so many requests left and right that right now they're pretty much booked solid for the rest of the fall 2021 semester. What that indicates is that we are, you know, headed towards a, a reopen and, and we hope that that stays you know, on par with, with what we're seeing with COVID. But what that details is that we're getting ready to, to do a lot of more of those contracts and be able to put those dollars to bigger use. So I see huge growth potential and not only growth potential, but really be able to do what we have been not able to do. So those good things and all those good partnerships that, you know, had to be put on hold we're able to revisit, but also know how we're going to grow strategically. It's a good time to be in our field, especially the impact that we'll be making for our community. This episode is brought to you by Modern Campus in partnership with The Evolution. Modern Campus empowers higher ed institutions to thrive when radical change is required to deal with lower student enrollments and revenue, rising costs, crushing student debt, and even school closures. Powered by the industry's only student-first modern learner engagement platform, Presidents and provosts can work with Modern Campus to create pathways for lifelong learners while marketing and IT can deliver Amazon-like personalization and instant fulfillment. To find out more on how you can transform your institution to meet the needs of today's modern learner, 
visit moderncampus.com. That's moderncampus.com.